Oh my goodness, you crazy son of a bitch. Do you have any idea what you've just done? You've just discovered the Marks and Lestrap Show Podcast Hour. This is the show that may or may not be an hour long based on your perception of time and how much I've got to say. So strap yourselves in and prepare your ears for the journey of a lifetime with your host of the Martin Lestrap Show Podcast Hour, me, you idiot. Welcome, everybody, to the Martin Lestrap Show Podcast Hour. This is episode number 131. And I am sitting here in preparation for an interview I'm very excited about. I am speaking today with authors Michael McCarty and his collaborator Mark McLaughlin. Uh, Michael McCarty, you might remember, was actually on the show on episode number uh, 69 when we were talking about his book Modern Mythmakers, 35 Interviews with Horror and Science Fiction Writers and Filmmakers. Uh, it was a wonderful interview. Again, it was uh, episode number 69. I, I would recommend you guys go back and enjoy it. Um, but today, I'm speaking with Michael McCarty and Mark, Mark McLaughlin, who uh, they, they've collaborated on several books, including their, their latest book, which is called Dracula Transformed and Other Bloodthirsty Tales. This book was just published just a few weeks ago on August 11th, 2016 by Wildside Press. So I'm very excited to talk to to both of them. I've got lots of questions about uh, about their their new book. I've got uh, I, I I really am most intrigued to find out about the process of collaborating together because uh, while while I've done you know some writing collaboration, I've never collaborated on uh, you know on on writing a, a a novel or any real fiction. In in this case, it, you know they've got a book of short stories. So. Um, that's primarily where my, you know, kind of sort of where my line of questions are going to go, because that's that's what I'm most fascinated about. But also, you know, I, I'd like I, I, I'd like to talk about the new book with them. Uh, and, and also they've done some other work together. So, you know, we'll, we'll go back into their other books and kind of get some thoughts on that. Now, uh, I am uh, slightly pressed for time because uh, the the scheduled interview is uh, just just a few minutes away, and I don't want to be late, so uh, I'm going to keep this kind of brief. But before before I get to the interview with them, uh, I wanted to address last week's episode, which was episode number 130, Diaz versus Mc, versus McGregor two, and specifically I was I was talking about you know uh, mixed martial arts, specifically uh, UFC 202. Uh, the matchup between Nate Diaz and Conor McGregor, which I was very excited about, and I was talking about all the really, really engaging storytelling storytelling elements that that go into a prize fight like that. Well, the fight happened last night, and um, hopefully, I sound okay. But right now, my my throat feels um, it feels it feels raw. It feels like uh, I swallowed a, a whole pack of sandpaper because that's how exciting the fight was. I was I was over at the uh, the Red Rock Hotel and Casino watching watching the fight. And it was it was it was terribly exciting. It was um, it was it was the best fight I've ever seen. And 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 I don't say that I don't say that lightly because I've seen a lot of really amazing fights. But when you put everything together from the backstory, from the characters and Conor McGregor and Nate Diaz and and the buildup and the supporting characters and and the twist and the turns uh, and all leading up to this fight, it it could have easily fizzled out, which often happens in fights because, I mean, you can have the best buildup in the world, but sometimes the climax is not very climactic. 
this fight lived up to everything it was built up to be and more. It was it was the best fight I've ever seen. Uh, if 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 you didn't see the fight, um, I I don't know what you're doing with your life. You need to find a way to watch it. Go online somewhere. Uh, it, it, the the fight it was you know in the first round, Conor McGregor looked amazing. Uh, he was he was beating up uh, Nate Diaz. He's bloodied up his face. He knocked him down uh, two or three times, but Nate, like he does, you know, like 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 a horror monster, just keeps coming forward. It's like you can't put him down. He's like a zombie or something. Uh, second round, McGregor looked good again, but but it, towards the end, he looked like he was getting tired. The third round, McGregor did not look good. He he looked he looked exhausted. He looked like he could barely fight back. Nate Diaz came on strong. Um, was really putting a hurting on McGregor in that third round. I, 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 I and I think everybody in the Red Rock thought that uh, that uh, Diaz was going to knock McGregor out in that third round. But Conor McGregor toughed it out, got out of the third round, went into the fourth round. Just it, you know, they they both looked you know they both looked uh, like they'd been to a war. But McGregor looked like he'd been having the worst of it because again, you know, part part of the the, the you know uh, part of the subplot going in there was the weight difference, that Nate Diaz is a naturally bigger, longer man. And it just seemed like, over the course of this fight, that uh, that the weight difference and the size difference was ultimately wearing McGregor down. And I didn't know if he was going to make it to the end of the fight. But he came back in that fourth round, had an outstanding fourth round, uh, looked great, uh, got into the fifth round. And uh, in the fifth round, again, it was another war. Uh, Diaz uh, appeared to get the best of him in, in the fifth round, and ultimately it went the distance. And that was something I talked about on last week's show. You know, was there going to be a knockout? Would there be a submission? Or would it go to the judges' cards? Well, the fight went to the judges' cards, and here was the result. Ladies and gentlemen, after five rounds, we go to the judges' scorecards for a decision. Jeff Mullen scores the contest 48 47, McGregor. Glenn Schwarber scores it. 47-47. And Derek clearly scores it. 48-47 for the winner by majority decision. The notorious Connor McGregor. I'm here with the winner, Connor McGregor. Connor. That was a dog fight. The king is back. A big factor in this fight was those leg kicks. Early and often was that part of the strategy coming in here? You're damn right it was, but he took them better than I expected. He didn't show, he didn't let me know. I thought the first three rounds, I proved the class difference. I just didn't level to him, but then that toughness and that durability that he has crept back in the later rounds, but I'm still happy to come away to win. It's a hell of a fight. He's a hell of a competitor. Brought out the best of me. It seemed like there was a time in the fight where you started to slow down, but then you caught a second win. Is that around the fourth round? Yeah, I dropped him in the third round. And then at the end of the third, he started loading up. But I just stayed calm with it. I didn't cha- exchange back with him. I just bounced the shoulders off the sh- I bounced the shots off the shoulders, made my eggs out there, and then reset for the next round. I, I, like my coach says, we win or we learn. I learned from the last contest. This was an incredibly close and incredibly entertaining fight, a true dog fight, Connor. Congratulations on winning this rematch. Thank you so much. All I know is it's 1-1. Regroup, boy, we'll do it again. This time at 155 pounds. I came up to 170, faced the bigger man, overcame my adversity. Now you want this trilogy? It's on my terms. Come back down to 155, we'll do it. Congratulations.
I'm here with Nate Diaz. Nate, give us your thoughts on the fight, and what did you think about the decision? I thought I'd win that fight. They can't have a fight me winning. I'm too real for this sport. They're going to give me out when they can, but it's all good, though. I came to this fight worse off than last time. I didn't get a train. I had injuries. Yeah, I didn't even make any excuses, but he should have finished me off. I, I want number three. I gave him number two the second day, so I'm ready to go again. Yeah. He just said that he's willing to do number three. If you're willing to do number three, I think everybody in this room wants to see number three. Hey, we're going for number three. Hey, good job today, Connor. But we're going for three, for real. Congratulations on an excellent performance, Nate. It was a great fight to, to watch. Connor McGregor by the skin of his teeth, by a razor-thin margin on the judges' cards, came out victorious. And actually, he only won on two judges' cards because, again, the third, you know, if you kind of followed along and you, you know, you, uh, the, the, the second judge called the fight a draw. He saw it as a tie. And honestly, if, if, if all three judges would have seen the fight as a tie, it wouldn't have been disappointing because it, 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 it was such an amazing fight and it was such an amazing contest between these two outstanding fighters. You know, even though ultimately on the judges' cards, Conor McGregor won the fight, it was one of those fights where it really didn't feel like either one of them lost the fight. And of course, as you also heard, there's they, they are both game for a rematch, for a third fight, to make it that epic trilogy, that epic storytelling trilogy that makes fighting so much fun uh, to watch. Um, but also, you know, some 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 twists and some some wrinkles and more storytelling elements, Conor McGregor addressed... Uh, he, he addressed uh, the weight difference and the challenge of it and saying that, you know, he's he's up for a third fight, but it's got to be at a lower weight. So so he said this fight, I went up in weight to fight Nate. We'll fight again in the third fight, but Nate's got to come down in weight uh, and meet me where I'm at. So 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 there so there's that. Uh, that that's that's sort of that's the that's my epilogue to to um, Diaz and McGregor, too. Uh, great fight, amazing storytelling, wonderful finish. It, it really, if if you're a fight fan, it doesn't get any better any better than that. And uh, again, that was the best fight I have ever seen in my life. And I'm certain there are fight fans all over the world saying the exact same thing right this very second. Now, we're going to get into another pair of storytellers transitioning from Conor McGregor and Nate Diaz, who told their own story last night, onto Michael McCarty. And Mark McLaughlin, my guest this week on the March and Strap Show podcast hour. And we are going to talk about, amongst other things, we're going to talk about Dracula Transformed and other bloodthirsty tales, their their new book together, which you can get on Amazon.com, uh, amongst other places. Uh, before you go to Amazon, though, first go to the official website of this podcast, which you'll find at MartinLestrapsShow.com. Go to the shop page. Once you get there, click on the Amazon banner, and then when you get to Amazon, do all the same shopping you were otherwise going to do, including buying a copy of Dracula Transformed and other bloodthirsty tales. And because you went through the website, Amazon in turn will kick back a few pennies our way, and then we get to take those pennies and reinvest them into the show, and that allows us to make the Martin Lestrap Show podcast hour as good as we can possibly make it for you, which is what we strive to do week after week after week um also so so long as we're so so long as we're talking about it 
subscribe to the show. It's free. Go to iTunes, subscribe. It's absolutely free. If you don't like iTunes, it's also available on Stitcher Radio, which you can find at stitcher.com. And if neither one of those options does it for you, then you can also listen to the show on the on, on the official website, martinlestrapshow.com. All the episodes are available, including this one right here, episode number 131. So without further ado, let me go ahead and uh, get you to uh, my... It's so funny when I... Because I'm introducing it like the, like our interview already happened. I haven't talked to these guys yet, but by the time you hear this, I will have talked to them. So it's sort of this uh, weird time travel thing. But anyway, that said, without any further ado, uh, let me take you to my conversation with Michael McCarty and Mark McLaughlin. And to get things started, uh, I'm, I'm going to get things started with Mark McLaughlin. So, so, so here you go. I grew up in the rural fastnesses of the Midwest, in Iowa, but within short driving distance of a metropolitan community where my Greek grandparents, or my grandmother and her fifth husband lived. And so I was divided between rural Iowa and the city where I spent much time with my Greek grandmother. And so I had, whereas I had a lot of rural influences growing up, I also had her metropolitan or perhaps even cosmopolitan influences because she was also well-traveled as well. That's awesome. So uh, uh, you you and uh, – so actually, you know what, just, just for, for the listeners to make sure that they're completely up to speed, uh, I am talking both with, uh, with Mark McLaughlin – who you just heard, but I, but but I've also got Michael McCarty here, who's making his second appearance on the podcast. He previously was on episode number sixty-nine. So, Michael, I don't want you to feel left out. Go ahead and uh, say hello. Tell me what's ha- what's happening. Uh, yeah, hi. Uh, yeah, I'm I'm obligated to do the show to get rid of some like my, my community <laughs> service. <laughs> But I'm glad to be back. I, well, listen, I, I'm I'm happy to help with the with the community. I'm I'm always happy to do my part. So, uh, and and I I understand for legal purposes you can't talk about the specifics of why you got community service. But right, exactly. Suffice it to say, you know, we're we're all here doing doing this episode. So so wonderful. We're we're all doing our part to help out. Right. And the monkey is also doing community service. I hear too. So oh, wonderful. Wonderful. Now, yeah. uh, unfortunately, be- because the monkey's doing community service right this moment, was not available to be on the podcast. It was, it was actually supposed to be a much larger conversation. <laughs> yeah. yeah, he's off. He's, doing, he's off doing his thing. <laughs> his community thing. His community monkey thing. Uh, all right, Mark. So listen, I- I've already talked to Michael, so so let's forget him for a moment. Let's talk to you. So. <laughs> <laughs> So you uh, you have a, a very very impressive resume of uh, of writing uh, uh, under your belt, but but before we get to that, I, I'd, I'd really like to know, just uh, you know, how, how'd you get started? Like, at what point in your life did you even know you wanted to be a, a writer? Like, were you a big reader as a kid? Oh yeah. Well, see, when I was little, my folks, and I do not recommend this for today's parents because it is an example of what you call. Bad parenting. <laughs> my my folks back then, when they needed the babysitter, they would just drop me off at the small town library nearest, <laughs> and then they go do their thing. Um, and so basically, I would just be there at the library all by myself with for hours. And the librarians would ask, "Are you with somebody here?" I say, "No, they'll be back before closing. Don't worry." And so, but meanwhile, so and this happened. This went on for years on end. 
And happily, that library had a very large shelf of horror books in general and anthologies, and actually quite a lot of Arkham House book anthologies, a lot of those old August Derleth anthologies in particular. Oh, cool. And so I would spend just hours on end reading these, read all these anthologies and all these short stories. And eventually somewhere along the line I said to myself, well, this, this or that story, oh, well, that story was good, but I could have done a better job. You know, I, <laughs> you know, I think they should have did this or that. You know, And so then before you know it, then I'd be at home, you know, and then I'd say to myself, I think I'll write a story, and, and, and I'll make it a lot better than those ones I was reading last week. And so pretty soon it was kind of like me with a, in a self-imposed competition with a lot of dead guys. Basically. <laughs> like, let's, let's see if I can write a better story than a lot of these, these old dead guys, you know. And I think I did all right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think you've done just Considering fine. the competition was, I, I will admit the competition was a hamper a bit, being metabolically challenged and whatnot. But so that's how I got started, really, just reading so many short stories, you know, for just hours on end over the years, and just suddenly realizing, hey, I'd like to write stories like this too. Now, at what so point? So then one day. Oh, go ahead. I'm sorry. Oh, no problem. So then one day, you know, I was looking at, I was in some grocery store, and there was some magazine with an ad in the back for a, some science fiction magazine that is around today called Space and Time. And, you know, with the aplomb, my, my usual youthful aplomb, mm -hmm. you know, this was years ago. I was a little thing back then. And um, I was reading, reading, seeing this ad for Space and Time, and I was thinking to myself, oh, they run stories. I ought to write a story and send it to them. And so, you know, I dug my, my ma's old typewriter out of the attic and shook all the dead flies out of it and put <laughs> up, you know. And, you know, asked my ma for some typing paper. And, you know, I dug out one of the notebooks that I was writing stories in and typed one of them, a, an Egyptian pot boiler called As Osiris Wills. Mm. And, yeah, typed it out, sent it to uh, Space and Time, didn't even put in a cover letter or a stamped envelope or any of that kind of thing, thinking to myself, all righty, here we go. All right, that's on author starting now. And so <laughs> sent it in the mail. And then uh, just a few months later, a uh, magazine came back to the mail <laughs> with my story in it no and a check. And, and I was like, hey, that's not so hard. <laughs> <laughs> this must be how that H.G. Wells guy does it. <laughs> <laughs> must be how that H.P. Lovecraft feller does it, too. That is and, and so amazing. Because it, 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 like it, it is yeah. certainly not that easy a process today. So that's that's an amazing uh, story and you know what? It, uh, probably just a really, really. You know, great... I, I will tell you, I, you know, I will tell you this though. I once, you know, I think it was like when was it, 15, 16 years ago? I did get one of those. What do you call it? Read. I don't know. It's one of those words I've only seen in print. I've never actually heard. So I don't I know think, if I'm pronouncing it right. I think we call right. it rejection. Re yes. Reject. Rejection slip. Yes. I got one of those once. Yeah, I, I think the editor sent it by mistake. <laughs> and, and that could be really the only excuse, I suppose. So. Yeah, but I understand some writers occasionally get those. So yeah, that, that's so I know a, the thing of that. You know, that, that's the word on the street, I guess. <laughs> some some writers. I'll never forget that one I got back in 1978. <laughs> <laughs> that is that is just a charmed way to start your publishing career. And honestly, I, I have to <laughs> imagine that, especially as a as a kid, to just send out a story and get it published. That it, it's got to such such a great 
it's such a great uh, a foundation because then you're like, yeah, okay, yeah, you, you write a story and it gets published. So then if you did, by chance, you know, get that one accidental rejection, you could easily sort of uh, sweep that off your shoulder where, you know, so many of the writers, if they if they get just a line of rejections to begin with, they're like, okay, well, shit, I guess I should stop now. Uh, and, and so you got yeah, such yeah, great that, validation that, early on. That rejection I got in 1978, I suppose that was just some poor soul who was suffering from mental illness or something. Yeah, they, they didn't or, know. They didn't know or maybe the magazine was going to go bankrupt because he hadn't been running any of my stories yet. You know, so. <laughs> uh, okay, listen, <laughs> Michael. I mean, really. I, <laughs> <laughs> I, I'm starting to feel bad now because Michael's uh, sitting here certainly enjoying, you know, enjoying being in the audience of this conversation. <laughs> but let me go ahead and uh, bring Michael on board. So, oh, <laughs> I could say that I'm on the other end of the thing. I'm just I'm nothing but a big reject. <laughs> <laughs> We've got the full spectrum here. Uh, <laughs> so, Michael, I, I know I know we talked about this on episode 69, but for for the sake of balance, uh, go ahead and give us the uh, the Reader's Digest version of how how you got started and, sure. and sort of how, you, how you sort of uh, wound yeah. up as a writer. Sure, I, I'm like Mark. I'm from uh, originally from Iowa, the Hawkeye State. Um, and uh, I grew up in uh, more of the metropolitan area. Um, but, yeah, I uh, uh, started pretty young, too. Uh, I uh, started doing record reviews for magazines, local music magazines. Uh, actually, my first publication was, like, in the school newspaper in fifth grade. So, yeah, I was just, you know, kind of doing it for years. And then when I actually uh, sent a, that music magazine a record review of, uh, I believe it was a Pink Floyd record, and they sent a check. I was like, really? You know, you can make money doing this? I mean, I was writing for 10 years for free. I, I didn't even come, come down with the idea that you get paid for it. <laughs> <laughs> so it really kind of elevated it. You know, so I, I was kind of like, wow. It's like, you know, why give it away for free when you can get paid for it? It's the reverse of the cow, isn't it? You know? Right. <laughs> the cow thing. <laughs> Sure. It's something, I think it. I think the saying is, uh, "Don't marry the cow if uh, they're giving away the milk for free." Something like that. Right. Right. Exactly. Yeah. I, I don't really want to marry a cow. I'm married already. <laughs> but but in, in the Midwest, that's kind of acceptable. I don't know, Mark. What, what would you say about that? <laughs> about marrying cows and what, what life life livestock and all that. Yeah. <laughs> so, something. Some some old writer reference about. Yeah. But. <laughs> Okay, and so you you two are. Uh, it, uh, I mean, this is my first time talking to you guys together, and mm-hmm. it, it feels like you guys are like. It feels like you're like like you're twins, like you're two peas in a pod. It just makes it only makes sense that you guys should be writing together and collaborating together and having this <laughs> having this uh, symbiotic relationship. But clearly, there was a time when you guys didn't know each other. So, how in the world did you guys ultimately meet? Whoever, well, we were actually con- we were we were conjoined twins, really. Okay, that makes sense. Despite the fact that we're despite the fact that we were a year and a half apart in age, <laughs> uh, our, our mother was a time traveler, though. So that kind of man, that was a, that was one crazy delivery. <laughs> but I didn't pr- appreciate my freedom, though. Sure, sure I mean, sure, I, sure. I, I I didn't mind being joined to you, but when I was separated, that gave me a sense of freedom. I just had to bring it out. I'm sorry. <laughs> uh, so, so you guys were no, actually, actually now, now here, here is actually the true story of okay. how we met. That the true story of how we met, and here it is. 
What you want to hear is that true story. I would love to. We, we, I, was a, I was an intern for a local newspaper, and I'd been asked to do a story on the Rocky Horror Picture Show. And so I went to, and this was back when the Rocky Horror Picture Show was a big deal, you know, um, the old Tim Curry version. Mm-hmm. And so um, I dressed up like uh, the, the, Curry, the Rock Frankenfurter guy and, and took a little entourage of friends. And because it was a costume contest, I was also writing a story about it for the local paper. And little did I know that I would win first place. But the guy who won third place, dressed as Brad Majors, would be the guy who I eventually come to know as Michael McCarty. <laughs> now, Michael, is that so how you remember that story? story? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Uh, we, we talked about it uh, several times. It's... it's and it's a bonding, very bonding. And the guy, who, and the guy who came in fifth place, Ray Bradbury. <laughs> <laughs> and boy, he made the best magenta you'd have ever figured. Man, you would never have thought he'd look that good in fishnets, but that's old Ray for you. <laughs> nah, I, I have to admit that last part was a uh, was an embellishment. Oh, you got actually. my hopes up, but that's okay. <laughs> Ray Bradbury. No, I'll, it was I'll it was Asimov. That's okay. You know, I'm, I'm going to cut that part out and let people believe that Ray Bradbury was actually <laughs> in the country. doing that time warp again. So when so when you guys met, you didn't even necessarily know you were both writers. No, no, we didn't. Oh, no, no, no. Wow. That didn't come till years later. Wow. Okay. So. Um, so here's what I here, here's what I'm really fascinated with. So um, I, I've been I've been writing for for years and years and years, just like you guys have. And and generally speaking, writing is a, it's a very solitary exercise. It's this thing where we go into a room by ourselves at a at a keyboard or, or pencil and pad, whatever it is, and we just spend hours and hours by ourselves telling stories. Um, but occasionally, writers will 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 collaborate, and and it, it collaboration is not unusual, especially in, in like say Hollywood with TVs and movies. But with fiction, even though it happens, it it, it doesn't happen often. And I've certainly never collaborated in terms of writing fiction before, so I'm very fascinated uh, with 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 the process and what it looks like. And and I'm sure it's different with different writing teams, but um, I'm very interested in uh, in your guys's uh, writing process. And, uh, and and I know I touched on this a little bit with Mark in episode sixty nine. So um, let me go ahead and uh, start. Or, 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 sorry, with you, Mark. Um, I, I don't know if I got your names mixed up a second ago. I hope I didn't. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> you, you guys very much are you're like twins in my head now. So um, so let me go ahead and start start with Mark, and then uh, then I'll ask my, uh, Mike to kind of fill in as well. Uh, but but Mark, for you, uh, go ahead and describe the, uh, the 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 process of of collaborating with with another writer in, in, in uh, on fiction like this. Well, with Mike and I, when we collaborate on a story, I mean, we do it the only way any people can write a story. We write every other word. <laughs> <laughs> it takes a while. Sure, it takes a while. But you know, I'll write, you know, the, and I, you know, send it back to him, monster, you know, and, I put, and then for I'll think about it, shambled or lurched, oh. <laughs> and then I'll so then I'll put my choice, and then I will put toward, and sometimes we'll have a little tips that sometimes he has to put in a lot of the vas, right? And he right. says, does the va have to count as a as a word in the every other word thing? And I was like. Yeah, I'm sorry, but I'll, so I'll do some buzz also, okay? And so, <laughs> so we work these things out. Okay, and, and, I, and I, then uh, you know, after somebody... about seven, and after about seven or eight years, we'll get that story out. 
You know? Yeah. <laughs> of course, you know, seven or eight years. It's like, we were once at a writer's convention where somebody once asked me that same question, and I told him that every other word thing, and he just looked at me like, wow! <laughs> and he was just like... <laughs> and so this day, he's thinking, he's probably still thinking, I hope he listens to this so he'll know I was joking. <laughs> that he probably thinks, God, how do they do that? Wow! So, and, well, and basically, you know, it's... Now, here comes the real way now. Um, the real way is that basically, you know, we'll send each other drafts of sections of what we're working on, and then we'll embellish each other's sections of the drafts, mm-hmm. and then piece them all together. And um, a lot of times it's kind of like he'll like lay down like the big beams, mm-hmm. and then I'll go in and put like the like the like the, the floorboards and the carpeting and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. He'll like, put some big ideas down, and then I'll kind of put in the details, you know. You know, he might say some character, you know, yeah, and the hot babe walked into the room, and I'll, then I'll describe the room and the babe, you know. <laughs> <laughs> so, I, mean, I don't want to interrupt the flow of what he's got going, so yeah. then he'll just put those big strokes, and then I'll kind of put in, you know, that she happened to be, you know, had eyes and was wearing clothes and stuff like that. <laughs> and then the story proceeds from there. <laughs> uh, okay, and Michael, so... You know what? I find that a character with eyes, people are so really... And bond if a character has eyes, you know. Sometimes, yeah, yeah, yeah. Unless it's I, I like can a see how that would work. I like can that, see how yeah. that would work. Yeah, unless it's an alien, maybe or a plant. You know? <laughs> so, Michael, when uh, so so, one of my thoughts is when you guys are collaborating, um, uh, uh, unless you guys are just having just a crazy, freaky moment, I have to imagine one of you has the idea first. So, like, how does that go? Like, if like, do you have an idea well, and you present to Mark, or how does that go? Generally, uh, we. We kind of um, shared the ideas as well. I mean, it's it's not like I, ca- I come in and say, okay, this is the idea for the book, and mm-hmm. and Mark goes, okay, you know, uh, but that's fine, and you know, and, uh, but no, actually, it's it's, it's really, uh, uh, I, I mean, okay, I come from a background of music, you know, I used to be kicked out of some of the best bands in the area, <laughs> and. Um, when you're in a band, you know, there's someone playing guitar and there's someone singing and there's someone playing the drums and they all come together and you get all this music together. Someone brings this part and this part and that part. And it's really much the same way when you're doing, a, you know, a novel or short story is Mark brings his part and I bring my, you know, he might have the music, I might have the lyrics or he might have the lyrics, I might have the music. And when you put it together, it's, it's a, you know, a top 40 hit, I guess, you know? Mm-hmm. <laughs> now, let, and then, but see, then there's a, then there's the next level that if there's a part that me and Mike can't really decide on, that's when we get my cat, and you know, and that's why maybe in a lot of maybe in and some might say maybe too many of our books there's a lot of people eating cat food and squatting in litter boxes, <laughs> and, <laughs> so we might also have to get his rabbit in on the yeah yeah, yeah yeah I think because and we, that's why. That's uh, the one that one climactic scene in that one zombie novel we did. That oh, yeah. you know, all those zombies eating the carrots. That's why that was. Well, that was the rabbit's idea. That was the rabbit's idea. Definitely the rabbit's idea. Let me idea. ask you this. So let let's say hypothetically, uh, the two of you, uh, you know, you walk into uh, an empty room. You have absolutely. You walk in with with no ideas, and you're just starting from scratch together. But you want to collaborate. Uh, mm-hmm. How does that? How does? How do you start? How do you start bouncing ideas off each other? Lots of alcohol, I think. <laughs> sure, sure, that's a good place to start. That's well, I think it's thing, usually you know? like. <laughs> well, one of us will like. Let's say you were saying, yeah. Um, 
um, you know, the, you know, your decorated room. It's like, well, what was if I just say, well, let's put a table in the middle, and then before you know it, then the other one, oh, okay, well, I get a tablecloth then because we're gonna do that, you know. <laughs> then we get some chairs, you know. I mean, it's, so it's kind of like you see all these things a person is building, whether it's a, a room or a cadaver or a story. You have to. It has a structure, you know. You got to start with the bones, so to speak, and then. And I think we both have an innate sense of what that structure is, and we both kind of realize what needs to go on to it to flush it out. Mm-hmm. And, and, and also, I, you know, Mark and I have been friends for a long, actually, believe it or not, 20 years, you know, that we've been friends and writing together and stuff. So uh, it, it's... Which is amazing since we're both only 17 years right. old. <laughs> How do we do it? It's that time-space continuum that, that, thing, that, you know? Just, that Justin Bieber, he keeps calling us and saying, you guys look so young. How do you guys do it? He's like, I'm, <laughs> <laughs> He's like, I'm all chromed out. And you guys look so young. It's like, you either got it or you don't, Justin. JD, you know. And I think it's worth mentioning, too, that both of you are, uh, you've you've written very successful books. You've been critically acclaimed. You both have won uh, awards for your work. But I think it's worth noting that as collaborators, uh, you guys have have been a finalist for the Bram Stoker Award. Uh, If if I'm not mistaken, let's see, it was for, uh, for, uh, on a couple of occasions for, uh, best first novel uh, in 2008 for Monster Behind the Wheel, and uh, also mm-hmm. a, a poetry collection, Attack of the Two-Headed Poetry Monster. That is correct. Yeah, so, you've done your research. Yeah, that is true. <laughs> so, so these collaborations, I mean, as I have to imagine, I mean, as, as, as much fun as it, as it is, you guys are also producing quality work, which is which is why I'm so interested in this process, because... Uh, I, you know, I'm certain that there's other writers out there in the world collaborating, but you guys clearly are doing something right. So that's why I'm so very fascinated with the, with, with learning about your specific process, your latest book, your newest book, which really it's, it's so brand new. It's only, it was published on August 11th and that was just barely (laughs) what two or three weeks ago. So it's still just hot off the press and it's called Dracula. And the publisher loved it. The publisher loved it so much. He he literally, and this is no no embellishment. He literally got it into print within three weeks, and he sends him the final manuscript. That's amazing. <laughs> that yeah, I was really amazing. Him a receipt of the final manuscript to to uh, um, Wildside Press upon right? the market was, oh uh, yeah, Wildside Press was a mere about three weeks. That's amazing. I was expecting like 2017. Really, <laughs> <laughs> I was. I wasn't thinking we were going to come out this year at all. That's usually how it goes. Uh, that that that's amazing. Right. So so the book it's called Dracula Transformed and Other Bloodthirsty Tales. It's a, it's a collection of stories, and it, it's a it, it's cool. It, it's a cool collaboration because you have a it, yeah. There's stories that you guys wrote together, but there's also stories that you guys wrote uh, independently of one another. So it's it's mm-hmm. a, it's a very interesting collection, and I've I've never seen that before, and I, and I really love that idea. So so for the listeners who uh, who who would probably very much be interested in this book but haven't read it yet. Um, go ahead and talk about the book. Describe it a little bit, um, and and you know, tell us you know kind of how this project came together. Well, first, anybody who is planning on buying and reading the book, I would suggest that they wrap their throats very heavily in tin foil or some other preventative thing in case they become so enamored of the book it literally draws vampires on them and sucks the blood out of them. <laughs> very true. Very true. <laughs> <laughs> You, you, we act like it doesn't happen, but actually, it happens more than you, we'd care to say. Oh, I believe it. I Which, but people should it. not. But should, people should not 
use that as an excuse not to buy and read the book. You know, just get some tinfoil or something like that. You know, because they, they don't like buying tinfoil. <laughs> Who does? I don't. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, so, but, so, so, so this, tell us about but, the book. Oh, sure. But this specific, you know, Dracula Transformed, you know, uh, Mark and I have uh, separately had short story collections, and we uh, actually have a short story collection together. But um, this is very, uh, lives up to its title, Dracula Transformed. There is 10 stories in the collection, and five of them are... Oh, 11. Oh, 11. I'm sorry. 11. Okay. That's <laughs> the collaboration here, because one of us is very good at number. 11. <laughs> but almost 50%. That's right. but, no, technically, it's one novella and 10 stories, so he was oh, kind of right. Okay. Right, right. Okay. One novella but, and 10 stories. About almost 50% of this collection has Dracula in it, yeah. and the rest are just vampire stories. So, I mean, it's if you're looking for Dracula or bloody, what's up? Uh, there's bloody vampire tales and Dracula, so it has everything in it. Yeah, it's, it's, it lives up to the title. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. So now, Dracula, tra- Dracula Transformed is a story about what happens when... You know how in all those old Hammer films, Dracula keeps coming back and coming back, and they find a new way to bring bring him back. Sure. You know, like like in one, he's like a pile of dust, and a and a, a bat with a sloppy mouth full of blood dribbles some blood on him, and suddenly he's Dracula again. Mm-hmm, sure. Well, in in this one, in that classic tradition, you know, we bring back Dracula with the help of one of my characters from one of my other books, a guy named Professor Lagungo. and so we bring back Dracula, and right, but because of the way he's brought back, and the person who brings him back. I'm not going to say who all that is. He's different now, and he's got more powers than ever thanks to an ancient medallion, which one will see on the cover of the book, which shows the nine-headed hydra of Greek mythology. Mm-hmm. And because of this new transformation, he is different. I will add, he doesn't have nine heads. I mean, it's not that different. And, and because of this, it's a, it's a whole new world for Dracula, and it's, he's in the present day, whole new world. He's get, getting, his, getting business done. <laughs> Fighting necks and taking names. That's awesome. That's awesome. So, so the book itself it was published by Wildside Press, and uh, for, for Mark in particular, this is not your first time working with Wildside Press. You've actually worked with them uh, a few times, in, including uh, the, the books "Hideous Faces," "Beautiful Skulls," which is from 2014, and "Best Little Witch mm-hmm. House in Arkham," which is a uh, 2013. Mm-hmm. So uh, it seems that you have a really good working relationship with Wildside Press. So tell me a little bit about how you came to work with them. Uh, Mike, uh, actually, Mike started working with them, and he was telling me how great they were. So then I started working with them. <laughs> yeah, I, actually, I they were my first publisher. They were my they published my first book, uh, which is called Giants of the Genre: a Collection of uh, Interviews. And believe it or not, the person who did the, the introduction for that book is Mark McLaughlin. <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, it, it really comes in the uh, full circle. Uh, now, you, this is your fourth book from Wildfire? I think this is like my, yeah, this is my fourth book. My first one was Beach Blanket Zombie, mm-hmm. and Best Little Witch House in Arkham, and Hideous Faces, Beautiful Spells, and now Dracula Transformed with Michael McCartney. And, and this is actually, I think, my fourth or fifth. I have two. Uh, I have Dark Duets, which Mark did the cover for the book. Mm-hmm. Actually, uh, and also a little help from my themes was Mark also did the cover. Actually, all my fiction from Wildside Press, Mark has done all the, the covers for. Oh, that's awesome. And, uh, so, and he's collaborated with stories in, in both of those as well. 
So, you know, he's, he's been with me with Wildside for, and I mean, they were my first publisher um, back in 2003. And, you know, I, I, I stick with good publishers, and, and Wildside is probably the best I've worked with. And Wildside, they do primarily uh, science fiction and, and, and horror, or do they do a little bit more than that? They do science fiction, fantasy, and horror, and they're both most well known, I suppose, for their for their legendary mega packs. But <laughs> these DVDs have have like hundreds of stories in them. There's a mega pack of vampires. There's a mega pack of zombie stories. There's a mega pack of you name it. They've mega packed it. <laughs> and, and, and Mark and Mike are in a, mega, a lot of mega packs together uh, with Wild Oh yeah. yeah. That's 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 really cool. Actually, that part I didn't I didn't know about. Uh, so so Dracula oh, transformed. You, go ahead, go ahead. Do you, do you mind if I mention one other thing about Dracula transformed? As not well? at all, not at all. Okay, because Mark talked about the last story, Dracula transformed, but the very first story of the collection is Lucy transformed, and that's actually set from the original Bram Stoker time of the book. So it starts back then, and the last story is in the 21st century. So really, you got a wide spectrum of just you know Dracula stories. You got contemporary, and you got the, the original. That's see that sounds and in the, great. And in, in that first story, in that in that Lucy transformed, that um, the thing about that is it's in the form of letters from Dracula to his daughter who lives in Paris, and so we also find out about Dracula's family and his daughter and his relationship with her, and we get to, and we and I'm not going to say what it is, but we also get to find out what is the source of his vampiric power and how he's able to transform. because oh, I think that knowledge has been hidden from the populace too long, so we're you know. Spilling the beans on that one. Very, very interesting. People need people need to know, Martin. <laughs> they need to know. Now, let me ask you this, and this is you know this will be for for both of you how you know to to uh, chime in. But uh, obviously, you both are uh, a couple of characters. You're both very silly. You both like to to laugh and joke around, which is which is the most fun. But you're also writing in in the horror genre. So so if somebody picks up Dracula Transformed. Uh, can they expect to see uh, laces of humor in there, or is it just straightforward horror? It's not, well. You got to remember, there's eleven stories, and so um, it's laced. Most of the stories are laced with horror, but many of them are very serious. For example, Lucy Transformed is the most serious of all because it's Dracula's voice. I mean, it's Dracula talking and writing to his daughter. Mm-hmm. And there's a few other stories that are um, very serious. And the most lighthearted one is the Dracula Adventure. Dracula's adventure when he's very old and retired and his three current vampiric brides aren't giving him a mess of grief on a daily basis called Dracula has risen from the sofa. So, but most, but you know, it's a, it's a gamut. It runs the spectrum from dead serious to lighthearted. Okay, that's But cool. mostly dead serious. Yeah, mostly dead serious because, you know, it's vampires, not circus clowns. <laughs> <laughs> and and so you guys also there's a you, you've uh, uh, collaborated not just on uh, fiction but you've also collaborated on on poetry together. Uh, you've got uh, three books of poetry that I'm aware of: Bride of the Two-Headed Poetry Monster, which was uh, published in 2014. Before that was Revenge of the Two-Headed Poetry Monster from uh, 2013, and then a few years before that, Attack of the Two-Headed Poetry Monster in 2008. I'm I'm sensing a theme here. Um, <laughs> but as far as and, collaborating, and they're conjoined I, together too on the covers. You know, <laughs> all three of those covers, the monsters are uh, have both our heads conjoined. See, so there's some truth in advertising. <laughs> 
So because I, I really don't write poetry at all. So so I I have so I can't even so I don't even know where you would start in terms of collaborating on a, on a poetry project. So well, in, in those mostly it's each of us has our own sections. Okay. In that one, there's there's not there's a little collaborative. There's a few right. poems that we collaborated, but most of them were just. Is the we we jump back and forth between each other's sections, yeah. Because you're right, a poem is a little harder to because it's such a small thing to write as opposed to like a novel or a story collection. Mm-hmm. It's like that would be a case of practically everybody writing every other yeah, word. That's you know? exactly. <laughs> yeah. Hey, Mike, let's, let's go write some haiku, haikus later, Mike. That, that's easy to do when there's only eight words involved, and you do four and I do four, so that that could be done that way. So. <laughs> There was a man from Nantucket. <laughs> <laughs> so you guys clearly have so much uh, energy, creatively and otherwise. I can only assume that. I, I assume you're working on something else, or at the very least, I feel like there's got to be something uh, brewing. So, is, is there anything uh, uh, coming up that you guys are working on? Uh, we we do have a uh, okay. Our first novel that we did was Monster Behind the Wheel, which was a horror novel, which. You know, ended up in the Bram Stoker for first novel, mm-hmm. and then we did a. <clears throat> this is our second short story collection together, and the poetry books. But we have a. Um, um, we don't really want to talk about, but we do have another novel that is uh, finished and uh, being polished up as we speak. Oh, that's a very. Uh, Alan, there's always the wheels never stop spinning. <laughs> the wheels never <laughs> stop spinning. So. That, wheels spinning, wheels within wheels. That, that spinning, does, always does not spinning. Surprise. Oh, are they spinning? It's crazy. <laughs> it does not surprise me in the least. Uh, spinning, now, <laughs> round and round, round and round. Now, so now, Mark, uh, you know, collaborating with with uh, with Michael, you guys have uh, you guys have been uh, nominated and finalists for uh, Bram Stoker Awards. Uh, but but you, Mark, not to uh, not to make Michael feel bad, you've actually won a Bram Stoker. <laughs> Award. I hopefully this is not a sore spot that I'm bringing up, but uh, in 2002, I'll have you know that I, I'll have you know, Martin, that I am the reverse Susan Lucci of horror. <laughs> I, I I see where you're going with this because you won in 2002 for uh, the, the Bram Stoker Award for Superior Achievement in Poetry, which is what we were just talking about. Uh, you co-authored, and then after that, I was, and then after that, I was nominated for different works, either collaborative of or solo, for about like. Five or six times, you know. After that, I can't remember the exact amount, but it's something like that. So, see, like Susan Lucci, she got she got like nominated, 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 nominated and she eventually won. Uh-huh. Me, I win, and then after that, it's nothing but nominations. So. <laughs> So ergo, I am the reverse Susan Lucci of horror. It was kind of like the beginning of your and publishing so I, and career. And I imagine someday Susan Lucci and I will have a drink together and we'll just laugh and laugh over that. <laughs> sure, you war so stories about being a, war stories about coming in second place. <laughs> being a soap opera star or a horror writer. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, the, the book well, you went I, I for, though. Uh, it was uh, The, the Gossamer you know, Eye. I don't know if you know Scott Edelman. He was the editor. Oh, he's still the editor of uh, Science Fiction, uh, the Sci-Fi Channel. Anyway, he sent me a pen that says, I'm a five-time Bram Stoker loser. <laughs> so, <laughs> so it's like I, I, I probably wear that, you know. It's like I, I, I lost five times, you know. Yeah, but, but accomplishment. you know, there, there, there are worse losing categories to be in. So, right, exactly. No, I, I, I do respect that my up here is, you know, you know, put me on the final ballot. That's 
something. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> but, you know, it's, it's really not, and, and saying this as somebody who's actually won the, won the darn thing, that it's really not about winning anyway, because it's nice to win, but it's not like I won and then suddenly the next day, oh, I'm taller. <laughs> I've lost a lot of weight. No. You know, I mean, it's, you're still the same person the next day. So it's nice, but it's still the, you're still the same person, you know. Okay. And, 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 so and you and just got to keep going, moving forward with your life, you know. And so it's nice encouragement, but ultimately yeah. it's like anything, you know, it's a nice encouragement. But then you put it on your shelf and you get back to work. Yeah, and you're obviously saying that just for Michael, which shows what a good friend you are. That's very, very nice of you, very generous. No, I'm saying it because it's true. You don't like, you know, it's not like, there, I'm done for life. <laughs> no, no, no. Yeah, listen, you, you, you are clearly a gentleman. But uh, listen, when we get Michael off the phone, we can actually talk more about how it really does make you taller and just a little bit yeah. but so long as michael is here yeah absolutely nothing it is not that big of a deal michael do not worry about uh <laughs> winning this award uh, no, no, it's uh we're we're totally both cool with it and i i'm pretty sure you know i wouldn't be too surprised if uh dracula transform might win a second Bram stoker for and then the first one for me you never know, but it's been Stranger Things. You never know. <laughs> I, uh, or it might be another nomination to my long, illustrious line of additional nominations, you know. <laughs> but like, ultimately, it's not even about... It's, it's not even about the winning. It's about making our vast legions of fans happy. They're outside the porch right now. Clawing <laughs> at the screen. Write more. Why are you guys talking? You should be writing. <laughs> see, you know, we got to keep them happy, Martin. We can't, you know, sit around drinking champagne like we usually do and talking about all the awards we may or may not win. Well, those people crawling at the screen door for more books. <laughs> kind of think of them. All right, gang. So, so, so the new book, Dracula Transformed and Other Bloodthirsty Tales, which again, fresh off the presses, just got published just a few weeks ago. Uh, just tell us where where we can find the book and uh, and any any anything else that uh, you want the listeners to know. If, if if you if they want to contact you to get more information, uh, how can they find you? So, so let's start with 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 the book itself. Where can they find this book? Amazon.com. No matter what country you're in, it's there on Amazon. Um, and I, I don't know if the print version is available for all Oh, yeah, it is. Oh, it is? It is. Oh, okay. Good. Okay. And, but I, I know for sure the Kindle is. And, and Mike assures me now that the print version is, too. So, whew, that's because I know that there's people on Easter Island who are just dying to read that book. So <laughs> so I'm glad awesome. that they're not going to be disappointed. So it's available so, both so in print. You the giant heads, you know? uh, it's in print and digital and, on Amazon.com. That's wonderful. And, and also, it's available at com as well. You can get it as a nook if you're into that nookie. Nookie stuff. <laughs> <laughs> I personally like Nookie, but not Nook. Right, <laughs> right. <laughs> it's an important distinction. Uh, and is, how about the, any any social media or just any any web in, any way that the, if the listeners want to learn more about you or they want to contact you, what's the best way for them well, to do that? Well, that's as easy as pie. All they have to do is um, go to Facebook dot com. For me, they go to Facebook dot com slash Mark McLaughlin Media. Facebook.com slash Mark McLaughlin Media, one big word. Awesome. And there okay. I am. And how about and you? And then Michael? for Michael McCarthy, and then I know it is this. It's, uh, it's Facebook, all that, but it's Michael McCarthy uh, dot horror. Or is it slash horror? Oh, but it's not, and also Michael McCarthy Media, also. Oh, yeah, Michael McCarthy Media is horror. 
uh, or and Twitter is Michael McCarty six. Uh, if you do have uh, carrier pigeons, if you want to sign out, try the Midwest. We'll probably find it eventually. <laughs> <laughs> uh, okay, perfect, perfect. All right, you guys. Well, listen, uh, Michael McCarty, Mark McLaughlin. It was uh, just an absolute pleasure to talk to you, two silly gooses. This was a, really a lot of fun. Um, uh, it, it was a pleasure talking to you too, sir. I, and, and I look forward to having you guys on the show again, whether it's together or if you guys have solo projects and you want to come back on, you are always welcome. I look forward to talking to you guys again. Martin, I know there's a question a lot of people who know, get to know you feel like they have to ask. Were your ancestors French people who made straps? <laughs> you, my friend. I mean, have, straps. I mean, that nailed that, it. Let's straps. That tells me these are French strap makers. You have absolutely <laughs> nailed it. No, no relation to uh, Fifty Shades <laughs> of Grey, though. No, no, no connection to Fifty Shades of Grey. Well, and my community service should be up soon, so I could do another. Okay, perfect. <laughs> perfect. Ironically, the the, the 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 crime in question actually involved straps. Oh wait, no, we're not supposed to talk about that. <laughs> Pretend I said nothing. <laughs> my my a lawyer's advice. No comment. <laughs> <laughs> it was great talking to both of you. Uh, Michael, it was great talking to you again. Mark, it was a great pleasure meeting you. Yeah, and great meeting you too, Martin. And thank you so much for this opportunity. It was greatly appreciated. My pleasure, and uh, best of luck with the book, and I will talk to both of you guys very soon. Okay, yeah. thanks. I'll talk to you later. All right. All right, everybody, there you have it. That was Michael McCarty and Mark McLaughlin co-authors of the new book Dracula Transformed and Other Bloodthirsty Tales, uh, a collaboration that, the, that they worked on, published by Wilder, Wilder Press, uh, uh, came out, or Wilder, yeah, Wilder Press, came out just, again, just, uh, just a few weeks ago, August 11th, 2016. Uh, the conversation itself, that was a lot of fun. Those two are silly. That was <laughs> that 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 was like uh, I don't know what that was like that that was that that was that was like wrangling a, a room full of monkeys that was, that was fun and and silly and and interesting and uh, discombobulating at times but uh, but ultimately ultimately that was a good time and I hope you guys enjoyed that uh, d- just a just a, a little uh, technical side note for anybody who's interested uh, we we it took us about 20 15 20 minutes to actually get connected so um uh, they they were uh they they were on separate phones as you might have been able to uh, deduce from listening to it but they were they were actually in the same room so it was uh it, it we we hadn't we we hadn't touched base on actually how we were going to connect with one another uh, I think we all thought everything was kind of set, and then when it was time to to talk, that the old uh, that old technology monster reared its ugly head. So it it, it took a little uh, it, it took a little uh, you know uh, thinking power <laughs> to to get things going, but we we eventually made it happen, and uh, and and that was the conversation that came from it uh, with uh, Michael McCarty and Mike uh, Mark McLaughlin. Uh, two terrific gentlemen. Uh, really enjoyed that conversation. Uh, and again, their book is Dracula Transformed and Other Bloodthirsty Tales. 
Uh, and I would uh, highly recommend uh, you guys go out and get yourself a copy on Amazon.com, as as Mark just finished telling you about. Um, but uh, what Mark failed to mention, because he might not be aware of this, is before you go to Amazon.com, first go to the official website. I, I know I told you this at the beginning of the episode, but, you know, whatever. It doesn't hurt to tell you again. Go to the official website of this podcast, MartinLestrapsShow.com. And when you get there, go to the shop page. At the shop page, you're going to see an Amazon banner at the top. Just click on that banner. It's going to take you to Amazon.com, and you can get yourself a copy of Dracula Transformed and Other Bloodthirsty Tales by Michael McCarty and Mark McLaughlin. But because you went through the official website of this podcast, Amazon, in turn, will kick back a few pennies our way. And then we get to take those pennies and reinvest them into the show, and it allows us to make the Martin Lestrap Show podcast hour as good as we can possibly make it for you which is what we strive to do week after week after week, episode number 131, notwithstanding. So I hope you guys enjoyed this episode. Also, while you're at Amazon, um, buy some more books. Buy, uh, buy Michael McCarty's uh, book of uh, interviews, Modern Mythmakers. It's a terrific collection of interviews published by Crystal Lake Publishing, and it's 35 interviews with horror and science fiction writers and filmmakers. You, you will not regret it. Uh, also, you know, get yourself a copy of Mark's books, including uh, Hideous Faces, Beautiful Skulls, uh, and Best Little Witch House in Arkham. Really, between Mike uh, and Mark, they've got so many books. Um, but if you can buy them all at once, go ahead and buy them all at once. But if you're only going to buy one, my guess is they would appreciate it if you bought Dracula Transformed and other bloodthirsty tales. And that's going to do it for this week's episode of the Martin Lestrop. <laughs> my God. Did I really just get my name wrong? Oh, God. I think it's, it really is time to wrap this up. Uh, thank you all so much for joining me this week for another episode of the Martin Lestrap Show Podcast Hour. Uh, I look forward to, to coming back next week. Uh, I, if, and if I'm being perfectly honest with you, for next week's episode, I have no idea what's going on. But by the time we get there, something will have happened for episode number 132. So so until next time, I will see you on the other side. 